Welcome to the Raise with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day when life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading for July 15th, 2019, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, beginning in verse 10. There are perhaps ever so many kinds of languages in the world, and not one of them is without meaning. Accordingly, if I do not understand the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and he will be a foreigner to me. So also with you. Since you are eager for spiritual gifts, seek to use them abundantly, in a way that will build up the church. That is why a person who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So what is to be done? I will pray using my spirit, and I will pray also using my understanding. I will sing using my spirit, and I will sing also using my understanding. Otherwise, how will an uninformed person say the Amen after you give thanks, since he does not know what you are saying? To be sure, you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking, but be like babies in regard to evil, and be mature in your thinking. It is written in the law, By different tongues and by foreign lips I will speak to this people, and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are a sign meant for unbelievers, not believers, whereas prophecy is for believers, not unbelievers. So if the whole church comes together in the same place and all speak in tongues, and uninformed visitors or unbelievers come in, won't they say that you are crazy? But if all prophesy and some unbeliever or uninformed visitor comes in, he is reproved by all and judged by all. The secrets of his heart are revealed, and under those circumstances he will fall down on his face and worship God, declaring, God really is among you. This is the word of our God. The main question that Paul is dealing with is what is the role of speaking in tongues? But the even bigger question behind that is how do we demonstrate the work of the Holy Spirit and how is this seen? And, or to put it another way, um, for the believer, is it a place when I come to church where I have to unplug my mind and I just sit down and I let the Holy Spirit wash over me and let this experience wash over me. Or, as an outsider might say, that the Christian church looks like just a bunch of unintellectual, un, you know, <laughs> uninformed, uneducated people going through this experience. And especially in the Greek area of Corinth, uh, southern Corinth, not too far from Athens, um, an unintellectual, uninformed, uneducated experience is not what they want. And it may be that the Corinthians had fallen into that, especially with this rampant speaking in tongues that's going on, and Paul has to rebuke them. And you notice, um, I, I speak in tongues more than all of you, verse 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. And Paul's like, but that's not the point. <laughs> the point isn't to be have this experience of speaking in tongues and to have this experience of... Um, you know, the Holy Spirit's work washing over me and this ecstatic utterance that nobody can understand. 
Verse 19, he follows it up. But in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. And so in that, that paragraph, verses 13 through 19, Paul makes reference to the mind uh, seven times, well, four times in these seven verses. Sorry, I miscounted there. Um, four times in these seven verses. Um, otherwise, a person who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. And three more times he talks about his his understanding or his mind in verses you know thirteen through through nineteen, and I think what we what we understand from that, even just looking at the number of times that thought comes up, is that faith faith is knowledge, trust, and assent. Haven't talked about this very very recently, I don't think. Faith is knowledge, trust, and assent. Knowledge, you need to know something about what it is that you're believing in. You need to know, you know, it's this Jesus Christ who who died and rose to forgive your sins. Um, and in trust, faith isn't just the, the historical knowledge of who this Jesus is and his life, death, and resurrection, but also the fact that this Jesus is for me that he took away my sin, that he rose from the dead to give me salvation. And ascent um, is kind of the, the bowing of the head to say, yes, he is my Lord. And even though he says, you know, something crazy, like we talked about yesterday at church, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That sounds insane. And it would be if anybody other than the one who is the eternal son of God who rose from the dead had said it. Ascent is the bowing of the head to say, he is my Lord and my Savior. And when we say Lord, you know, that, that he has a claim on my life and that he has direction for how I ought to live my life, and it is a blessing for me. So faith is knowledge, trust, and assent. And Paul really alludes to that in this in this paragraph, verses 13 through 19, when he talks about using his mind. Um, verse 15, for instance, I will pray using my spirit, and I will also pray using my understanding. I will sing using my spirit, and I will also sing using my understanding. There's no division between the Christian's heart and mind sometimes there's there's a definite appeal to that um especially i just heard this phrase the other day from my sister-in-law for better or for worse um she was talking about a, a new acquaintance she had made and uh referred to this this wonderful you know christian woman as uh an on my heart christian you know like god really laid it on my heart god really placed it on my heart it's on my heart to to really do this particular thing and I've encountered a couple of people like that over, you know, in different different places and times, and you probably have as well. And different ideas about that relationship between my emotion in my faith and my knowledge in my faith can kind of come come to pass. Um, maybe some people err more toward the, the the knowledge side, as though faith is just some intellectual exercise, and some people err more toward the emotional side. And often the emotional side has has more of an appeal of being more spiritual, or at least that's what it looks like, um, especially in in terms of expressive dance or ecstatic speech, um, or just or just the way we talk, the way somebody might talk, well, God really wants me to do this, and and 
the Holy Spirit just really made it plain that I should be doing that. And what Paul says here, he says, he says that, you know, the Holy Spirit could work that way if he wanted to, but that your faith and your life of faith is the mind and the heart working together. That faith is knowledge, trust, and assent. It is, yeah, faith is the emotional state of the soul, but it's also this intellectual engagement with the mind. You don't unplug the mind in when, when it comes to church time or when it comes to your faith, and you don't disconnect the mind and the control of your body when it comes to, when it comes to worship, but rather that the two, the, the mind and the heart working together, the two really serve to provide opportunity to speak about Jesus and to give praise to Jesus. And verse 18, I think, is, is rather helpful. Paul says, I, would I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. And what he's saying there you know, five words. <laughs> he could have chosen any number. It's kind of interesting that he chose five. Um, you know, the fish symbol, uh, ichthys, is the, the Greek word there. And it was an acronym for Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. Well, look at that, five words. And it's, and it's a very early symbol that came to be used. Um, and maybe Paul is referring to that when he picks out five words. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. This is something that you know, and that, and that yes, it has a profound influence on your emotional state. And most of the time, we don't recognize that until we're at a, a very bad, bad spot in our lives, in our lives where we need and we really run to the truth and the comfort of the resurrection. But it is also the ongoing background for all of our lives. Jesus Christ, Son of God, is my Savior. That affects our emotion, and that affects our mind. And the two work together to testify to the truth that this Jesus is ours. That's a faith that is not anti-emotion or a faith that is anti-intellectual, but it is the faith that Jesus has given to you and to me based on truth and that we can communicate in truth. This Jesus, the Son of God, is our Savior. You can find us Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. at 2250 South Holland Savannah Road in Maumee, you could also find us Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m., same place. God bless your day.